the fruit of repentance. Shalom! Thank you for joining us for the Sermon of the Third Sunday in Lent, March 20th, 2022, from Christchurch, Jerusalem. Today, Rev. Aaron Imey reminds us that God is not the God of karma. He is the God of grace. In challenging some of our false assumptions at how the world works, Jesus calls us to show the fruit of repentance. We begin with the lectionary readings. We have come and prepared ourselves with confession. We have worshipped our God, hopefully, in spirit and in truth. And now we get to hear the actual words of our God, written down for us. Our first reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55, in verses 1 to 9. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richness of fair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the people, a leader and commander of the people. Surely you will summon nation you not <clears throat> excuse me, you not know, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you. Because of the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, for he have endowed you with his splendor. Seek the Lord while he be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the evil man he thought. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he freely pardoned. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are the way higher than my ways, and my thought than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, verses 1 to 13. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank 
from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel reading for the third Sunday in Lent comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. And it is a tradition. Please stand as we hear the teachings from the Messiah, our King. Brothers and sisters, the good news according to Luke. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you, but that unless you repent, you too will all perish. All those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, but not but unless you repent, you will all perish. And then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it, and I'll fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, then cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. We're in our third Sunday in the season of Lent. For those that might not be familiar with the church calendar, this is a season of preparation. We're preparing ourselves for a holy week. 
I mean, how do you prepare for Holy Week? I mean, you just tick off the day as well. The resurrection is such an incredible event that changed all of human history that it's something that we don't just walk into unprepared. Not really. And so you take time to think about it, contemplate it, contemplate ourselves. Why did the Messiah have to do this? And so that when we get to Holy Week, we don't run away from the cross like the disciples did, even though they had seen all these miracles. But actually, we'll sit the vigil with him, expecting to greet the risen Messiah, and we will travel with him. So it's a time of, uh, of preparation. Now, some of us, as part of our spiritual discipline, are engaged in fasting. We're denying ourselves something. It's supposed to be a secret. So whatever, however you've been getting on, okay, two weeks in, keep going. Okay, almost there. And fasting is an action of faith. And um, some of the readings we t- today reflect that there's fruit involved with faith. Faith isn't just something that stays in your head. It's something that the Lord himself can see in us. And many of our readings revolve around eating, drinking, and, uh, and the inspection of fruit. Knowing that Jesus is real and that the resurrection's true is one thing. But even the demons believe that. Even the demons know that Jesus rose from the dead. Faith is something that should lead into an action. And so you can see in some of these readings, or I hope that by the time we get to the end of looking at our texts and portions for the day, we continue to be ready as part of our Lenten preparation to put our faith into action and to pray for the Holy Spirit to be able to to, um, let fruit abound in our lives so that others can see it and want to join. And so we contemplate the fruit that's part of the product of our faith, and one of those fruits is repentance. And repentance might not be one of the most favorite topics to talk about. Uh, Usually it uh, usually isn't, but it's on the words of Jesus constantly. When you hear him come out of the desert after he's been uh, fasting for 40 days, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repentance is one of those words that initially doesn't appear with the patriarchs. God doesn't ask Abraham to repent. Doesn't ask Isaac to repent. Doesn't ask Jacob to repent. That actually appears a little later, those words, on the lips of the prophets. Once Israel is actually in the land and actually have established a kingdom, and then it became a case of, guys, kind of lost our way a bit here. We need to return to the Lord. Repent. And repentance is even on the lips of the writer of Revelation. When Jesus is speaking to the seven churches in Revelation, five of them, he says, repent. It's at the start of his ministry, and it's there at the end, and it's in today's gospel as well. 
And uh, it, the season of Luke, uh, the season of, of this year, the, the lectionary cycle, puts us into the reading of the Gospel of Luke. And I like the Gospel very much. Um, one, because it's one of the longest. In fact, it is the longest. Luke actually ended up wrote, wrote more words than all of Paul put together. Okay, he did a really good job. And it, it looks like he was actually an eyewitness. Some of his, his writing really, he knows his geography really well. He gets his distances really well. And, um, and this, we have a story which is unique. This is a unique teaching that's in Luke, the parable of uh, the, the barren fig tree. Now, those of you who know me normally like, uh, know that I like to bring a, uh, an icon that I can put up there and shock everyone. Uh, because one of the things I've learnt being in this city is that um, you don't worship icons. They're windows. They're, they're worship aids. You, in, the, in, the, in the Jewish tradition, you worship the Lord with all of your senses. Not just your ears, not just your mouth, but you worship the Lord by seeing. You worship the Lord by tasting. You worship the Lord by smell. I mean, who invented incense? Don't say it's the Catholics. <laughs> eh? It's in Exodus. God says, you know, there's a special smell for me. You know, and us Protestants, we've got this thing like smell. Oh, we'll throw that away. But, um, the, the, but I couldn't find uh, an icon of the, of, the, of the fig tree. All I found were pictures of fig trees. You all know what fig trees look like, right? Okay, great. <laughs> so put one of those in our image <laughs> and imagine one with no fruit on it. And so here's... Uh, Luke uh, in chapter 13 and you always should remember the context of any part of the gospel context is king um, chapter 13 follows on to from chapter 12 and there was a news flash for you that was pretty pretty bright but the context of chapter 12 is the end times Jesus is preparing and talking and discussing about the signs of the times and people were always trying to figure out um, when the end was coming along. And I got to tell you, um, we, there's a lot of people who like to talk about the end times and we all get it wrong. Um, yeah. I remember when I first came to this country, uh, which was in 1998, when I first arrived in this country, and I was walking around the streets of Jerusalem and I saw a book in a bookshop, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Was Coming in 1988. So it was only selling for half a shekel. So it was... A guy got it completely wrong. But it's still part of the gospel. So we still have to talk about it too. So we should look at this gospel portion, the parable of the, the, the barren fig tree, also in light of the times and of the seasons. Because uh, we might get the end times dates wrong, but there's one thing you won't get wrong. When's the time to repent? Right now, that's right. You can never get that wrong. And that's what Jesus is telling us today too. Now both the Pauline epistle passage and the gospel they both, of Jesus, they both address some human assumptions about how the world works, which is um, if you're good, you'll get blessed by God and you'll have good stuff. And if you're bad then obviously you've done something wrong and bad stuff will happen. And we've got to remind ourselves that God is not a God of karma. He's a God of grace. So we might deserve something bad to happen, 
I guess we all do, do we not? If we're honest, none of us deserve any of the blessings that we have. But if we have a blessing, truly and honestly, we should just say a humble thank you. And Lord, I am going to share my blessing because I don't even deserve the stuff I've got. But at the same time, Jesus is challenging assumption here in, these, in the gospel passage that sometimes bad things happen to good people just because. We might not always quite understand the reason why. And so we can look at, uh, at this false voice that's appearing around the, uh, the, the disciples of Jesus and some of his hearers and listeners, that um, these stories that Jesus is talking about, the, the two that we have in our gospel passage, these Galilean pilgrims that were wandering on the way to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, that's a good thing. And they got killed, uh, slain by um, Pilate's men. We don't know why. We don't know when this happened. There's no extra biblical source that talks about this event. It just appears here. There is a tower that somebody built, obviously built poorly. Maybe there was an earthquake. Who really knows? But the point is it collapsed and people died. And people looked at uh, this situation and they said, well, obviously they've done something wrong. Because when you read the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, God blesses people. And they get lots of stuff. And sometimes we hear that voice even in our own culture today, which says, you know, um, I have a really big house, so I'm obviously being blessed by the Lord. I'm obviously doing something good. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you, you are doing something great, and God is giving you a blessing. Also, might just live in a society that has lots of really big houses. And 90% of us live in really big houses. And if we were living in a village in the Sudan, we probably wouldn't have a really big house. God will still love us. God still might be blessing us with something. But it might not be a Mercedes-Benz. And so we need to remember and look at these voices that are coming at us from our culture and many of them, unfortunately, are false. And sometimes, unfortunately, the church misquotes Scripture and puts it into that voice, and we absorb it, and we begin to believe it. And we think that, you know, um, if something goes wrong, man, what did I do? That was wrong. And Jesus challenges that. He says, those Galileans, were they any worse or better than anybody else who's actually still alive in the Galilee? Well, the guys that that died in this tower, it's all horrible, horrible incidences, not making light of them. But uh, are they any worse than anyone else living in Jerusalem? No. But then paradoxically, Jesus doesn't then just crush that voice and say, okay, look, bad things happen, good things happen. He says, repent, or you will also perish. What a paradoxical statement. What you just said, that wasn't true about those guys dying. It wasn't their fault. But make sure you repent or you'll end up just like them. Wow, that's powerful. The wages of sin are death. So they're going to end poorly. So whatever we do, if we're not, 
If we're sinning, it's going to end poorly. You will reap what we sow. But not always. Man alive, I'm just coming at you from all angles now, right? The tension is there that sometimes bad things happen to good people. We don't always know the reason. And sometimes people are blessed by the Lord, sometimes just because we live in the rich West. Either case, we still have to let our fruit blossom and shine and grow and develop and let God be God. I was discussing an incident uh, with a friend uh, a long time ago in Canada. And uh, he, uh, and he said, um, he was a nurse, a male nurse. And he said, um, imagine this scenario, Aaron. You're driving in your car. You're a good guy. You're on to church. You're about to deliver a sermon. You're about to preach the word of God. It's a good thing. And you get hit by a truck. And you're horribly ma- mangled. And you're in traction uh, for months. And it's unbelievably painful. <laughs> and you're thinking, what happened? What did I do to deserve this? Usually it's one of our thoughts. But then my brothers and sisters come. And they visit me a couple of times a week. Read me some psalms. Share with me a word from Sunday or from a Bible study. Pray for me. And pour some loving on me. Meanwhile, the nurse who's attending me is not a believer. But they see faith in action and they become a believer. And they say, I want that. Now, if God came to me and said, Aaron, the only way that we can get this guy into heaven, into the kingdom, is for you to have a horrible car accident. Would you do it? Would you guys do it? If you knew that at the end result of your horrible car accident, you're six months in pain, would you do it? Hopefully the answer is yes. Hopefully. So as things happen, we might not always know the reason, but I'll tell you one thing that can definitely happen, and that is we can repent. And at the same time, we can look at ourselves and see if what we're doing is bearing fruit. And so the, the, the Greek that's reflected in Luke, the word uh, matateo occurs twice, once in um, chapter, uh, verse 3 and once in verse 5. And uh, the, the passages around them describe one piece of repentance as a one-off event. But the one in verse 3 is a continual event. Repentance is a lifestyle. It's part of our walk with the Lord. It's not something we just do once. Okay, now I'm a believer and now I can do whatever the heck I like. It's a, it's a, our, our discipleship, our journey with Jesus is a constant reflection. Am I a little bit more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? Am I actually learning a little bit more of the Lord today than I did three or four years ago? Did I stumble and fall the other day? And do I need my brothers to come and help pick me up? And can I return to the Lord? And what we see in, in, all, in the prophets, like our Isaiah portion, is the opportunity to repent. And so the parable of the fig tree 
it's a um, unique section uh, to Luke. Somehow he heard this, this piece of information. And many traditions uh, have looked at it, studied it, come up with their reasons of what they think it's about. It's an image and it's a parable. And um, even though it's contextual, that is Jesus is talking to Jewish people, one of the interesting things about parables is there's nothing Jewish in them. This is not a Jewish tree, it's a fig tree. Whenever you see parables in the New Testament, it's, it's a, a man goes out and sows a field. It's not a Jewish man, it's not a Jewish field. Isn't that interesting? Parables only occur in the, in the, in the Gospels and in rabbinic literature. They're in no other source. You don't find parables, they're not in Paul. They're not in Greek Jewish literature. They're not in the early church fathers. They're just in rabbinic literature and they're in, in, um, in, in the Gospels. And there are 436 parables in rabbinic literature and they're all in Hebrew. So the rest of the teaching and speaking might have been done in Aramaic, but when you spoke a parable, guess what language you were using? You were using Hebrew. And there were reasons for that. And so it's an interesting paradox, isn't it? Let's gather the nation of Israel. Let's only use parables in this setting, but we will apply it universally. And parables also don't quote scripture. They're just a simple message. And they're actually incredibly simple. There was a guy who owned a vineyard. You can call him God if you want, sure. Is a, is a guy. And he has a tree, and the tree is a fig tree, and the tree is supposed to produce fruit. It's got a task. It's got something it's meant to do. It's not meant to look pretty. It's not meant to give him a flower. It's not meant for him to cut it down and use it to burn wood, because he can definitely do that. It is meant to produce fruit. Unbelievably simple. And he goes again and again. Each year when it's the season for fruit, he doesn't find it. So what's his response? Cut it down. I, I can do something better with this piece of soil. Really, I can. I can grow herbs. You know, I can grow some coffee. You know, whatever. And, uh, and I'm fine. But then there's this other person, the vine dresser. And, he, and there's, some, there's, a, there's a, even a sense of patience here. Give me, give me another go. Give me a little, I'll work at it. I'll dig around, I'll put some fertilizer, I'll pour some loving on it. You know, I heard this rumor that if you talk to them nicely, they'll, they'll grow faster. Okay? I don't know if that's true or not. But if you don't find it then, then cut it down. So we learn that from this parable that um, the Lord is looking for fruit in us. He has given us an incredible gift. He has given us the seal of faith in the Holy Spirit. And there's something we're meant to do with it. And if we don't know what our gifts are, then, then we can just take little hints from, from, from Galatians. And it only gives you a little list, small list. There's more. I mean, one of the gifts is actually repentance as well. But imagine the gift of joy or self-control. And you can have those gifts, and you don't need a big house for it. You don't need a, a big church for it. You don't need lots of money. In fact, anyone can have self-control. Our problem is we don't. One of our 
our problems in the, in the world is we lack almost any form of self-control. It is a shame. But joy. Many of us know people in our communities who are full of the joy of the Lord. And they're not rich. But they're happy. And you know them. You say, oh, that's, that's so wonderful to be around this person. They're so full of joy. They're so full of faith. When, when I go there, I'm invigorated and I come out smiling. I can't help it. Um, patience, love, self-control, peace. There's another good one. May there be more peace in this world. Okay, these are things that you don't need a big house to, to be able to put into practice. And that's what the Lord is looking for. When he comes and inspects our fruit, he's not saying, so how big's your church, Aaron? It's not what he's asking. How big's your house? How big's your car? How many people did you uh, uh, speak to, Jesus, uh, to me about Jesus this week? Those are really good questions. But they're not what they're looking for. I wanted to um, uh, just blend a little bit of what the Isaiah passage works and then finish with, with, with Paul. Um, the, uh, the Isaiah passage uses that, why do you buy things that are not bread? And, and in, in terms of like uh, this false voice that we hear, too many of us are listening to the culture of the world, and it doesn't satisfy. We, we live in a culture that is, gets so offended about everything. In fact, the very fact that this is being recorded and going on a podcast will offend someone somewhere. I'll probably write David a nasty email. Sorry about that. But if you spend the, all of your life trying not to offend something, you won't leave your house. And we're absorbing lies of identity, of misidentity. We're so, we're, we've got the access to the internet. We've got so much information that no one believes anything. Isn't that incredible? doesn't matter. We're, we're, turn the news on. I don't even know why we bother turning the news on because our first reaction is, oh, that's not true. Well, why'd you read it then? We're, we're, we we want to search the truth, but no one knows how to find it anymore. Brothers and sisters, we have the truth. And the truth sets us free. And we have to share that. We can't hide it. We can't, we can't let, let, let the, the voice of God be crushed by the lies of the world. So we've got to encourage each other to, to let our fruit blossom in the world. Not only does the Lord want us to bear fruit, I want you to bear fruit. You want me to bear fruit. You want me to be more patient and kind. You want me to be more in self-control. And I want the same things for you. And you want me to repent. And I want you to repent because the time of repenting is coming to an end. We have to remember the season. One of the things I appreciate being part of a tradition that has seasons is eventually the seasons end. And a time is coming, friends, where, the, where no longer can we call it today. So we have to be motivated. And so I want to end with the epistle reading from, from, uh, from Corinthians, where Paul, in context, keep it always in context, has been spending three chapters, okay, 8, 9, 10, in discussing um, can you or can you not eat food offered to idols? Okay, long, long discussion. He's talking to Gentiles here. And, uh, and he, he starts his epistle by saying something incredible. He says, friends, our forefathers 
all went into the sea and were baptized with Moses. He's talking to Gentiles. And he's, and he's saying something incredible. He's saying, you're actually grafted into the Commonwealth of Israel. So that sacred history that belongs to somebody else is now part of your heritage. You get to learn from that sacred history. We can take those messages and those prophets and those promises and, and all of the warnings as well and apply them to ourselves. So you have this interesting story uh, of, the, of the, the exodus. And, um, and then he has um, this, in, this, he, this cryptic phrase of, uh, you know, they all drank from the same spiritual rock that accompanied them. Because there was this Jewish tradition that said that the rock that Moses struck, that poured out water, actually followed the children of Israel in the desert. Because in the, the, the rock is mentioned twice in the, in the Torah, once in Exodus at the start of the journey and once in Numbers at the end. And, and, but nowhere in the middle do they figure out how to get water. So the commentators were like, well, how'd they get water then? And their, their idea was, it's a tradition, oral tradition, which Paul is saying, well, we can take this, appropriate this, and, and learn from it ourselves as part of our sacred history and heritage. Well, this rock, it kind of rolled along with them. And I can just imagine the little Israelite, you know, packing up his tent and going, hey, Aviyah, did you see that? Hmm. Weird. <laughs> This is like freaking me out, Moses. You know, there's a thing's following me. Possible. Paul doesn't say it's true. It doesn't have to be. Paul takes part of that sacred history and he says, listen, the Messiah is like that rock, always following us. At any point you can stop, you can turn around, and you can taste from living water. That's always there. Solid, firm, sure, in a world that just keeps giving us false voices and the inability to know the truth, the solid rock is always with us. We can have living water constantly refreshing us. But he also wants to give a warning from that sacred history. These Israelites, let's remember, they saw miracles. They watched what happened to the Egyptians. They walked between piles of water. And when Moses disappeared for a while, they turned and went into idolatry and sexual immorality. How quickly we can do the same. I mean, if I asked, if I sat down with coffee time with you guys and I asked, give me a miracle, tell me something the Lord has done in your life. You would all tell me incredible stories. And yet tomorrow even though we know the Lord has done some amazing things in the past for us, when it comes to today and tomorrow, we panic. We suddenly think all of a sudden, ah, we're going to go into World War III. So? No, really. Revelation says the whole world's going to be destroyed. Are you ready for that? If you're not, come talk to me. Because you need to be. I need to be. And Paul gives us a warning. He says, look, you've got the solid rock with you, giving you living water. But be careful. If you listen to the wrong voice, you'll end up in idolatry, immorality, 
We'll take a lie and we'll just, it'll run and the wages of sin are death. It will not lead to something positive. So what type of age are we living in? Okay, we might be living in the age of Aquarius, but we're living in an age of grumbling and complaining. That's all our society likes to do, which is a bit of a shame, really. And uh, really what we need to do, brothers and sisters, is, is build each other up. We need to encourage each other. We need to motivate each other. We've got to see the gifts that are in each other and say, come on, you know, let, that, let that fruit blossom. Because it's going to benefit the body. It's gonna, what, the gifts that you have are going to benefit us. Not just me, us. It's a, it's a, we, we journey with this together. And so we've got to make sure that we're not grumbling and complaining like the Corinthians, that we actually um, continue to, to take the historical message that we see in the prophets, and we see in the Hebrew Bible, we learn from that heritage, and we put it into practice. And so when it comes time for us to flourish and grow and uh, blossom, then we will. And so I think... For those, for those that uh, have not yet enjo- uh, begun to have a look at the season of Lent, then this is a pretty uh, appropriate season to reflect on the, our fruit of faith. As we're heading in towards Easter, as we're heading into the good news that this world needs to hear, that the Messiah has walked out of that tomb, then we should reflect on, well, I believe that. Now, what's, what am I doing with that faith? Has that faith blossomed? That's what I'm trying to do this Lent. I'm reflecting on that. I'm walking towards uh, Easter. So we discipline ourselves, if we can, to take the gift of the Holy Spirit and let it, let it shine so that when we, can, when we want to walk out these doors, that we're taking with us some very, very good news that this world needs. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.